7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, and in Malaysia, it's 1943. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Welcome, welcome in, everybody. Hello, Luna Amethyst. Yo, it's Toast. Hey, good to see you. And you got a new laptop. Very cool. Very nice. I, I hope it's screaming fast so you can, you can game, as they say. I think, that's, I think that's how they say it. What do I know? I'm an old boomer. Nice. And a Wulu plush. If I had any idea what a Wooloo plush was, I would, I would be impressed, but I don't, so you'll just have to explain that to me. <laughs> oh, man. It's a Pokemon. Oh, 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 okay, okay, it's a Pokemon. Now I get it. All right, now it makes sense. Uh, welcome in to Facebook Live, YouTube, slash J. Sheldon Malaysia. And also twitch.tv, J. Sheldon No Pants, where you will also find our Miko merch over there. All kinds of cool stuff with the show logo and uh, Miko on it. And um, a cute sheep. Neat. And the wool is made out of actual wool. Oh, that's cool. Very nice. All right. I have a collection of uh, plush animals, uh, mostly bears. But, yeah, I, I still have that. Oh, synthetic wool. Okay. Uh, no sheep were harmed in the making of this plushie. <laughs> oh, man, it's Monday. It feels like a Monday. We had wicked rain this afternoon. But then, all of a sudden, it cleared up around 5 o'clock. Torrential downpour stopped. Sun came out, blue skies, fair weather clouds, and we were good to go. So no complaints. Everything got a good wet, and uh, and off we went, including a walk. So since we're talking about it, I guess it's time. Miko update. <laughs> Miko update. Yes. The little girl is doing well. Uh, she's actually downstairs playing with my significant other. Uh, I thought she'd be in the aircon tonight, but apparently not. Um, however, she's getting fat. Okay, she's not fat, but she's getting more solid. We measured her. We weighed her tonight. And she weighs, what is it? 10.7 kilograms. 10.7 kilograms. Whoa. That's up. She was like 10.2, 10.3 the last time we weighed her a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. I mean, she is already, for a female Shiba Inu, she is uh, way above and beyond what she ought to weigh. Oh, I wanted to share this too with you tonight. Chonk. Maximum chonk. <laughs> okay, this is a very short little video. And I can't help but listen. When I hear this, I think of the Chariots of Fire theme. Here, take a look. 
Do, 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 do. <laughs> there she goes. All right, enough of Tucker Carlson. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's the amazing Miko in slow motion running in the yard, in our yard. <laughs> She's doing well. I thought I was going to be able to entice her, but I forgot the treats tonight, so I, I, I couldn't put her on the show because she won't come in the studio unless I have treats with me, so... So that's uh, that's the Miko update for for Monday night's show. Welcome in also, by the way, to all of our podcast listeners from uh, Spotify, Amazon, Google, uh, iTunes, or whatever Apple podcasts. Uh, thank you for listening and all of your downloads. We've got hundreds of downloads every week, and wow, the numbers are great. Thank you so much. All around the planet, by the way, uh, India, the U.S. is doing huge, the U.K., New Zealand, Australia, although we've been picking on Australia a lot because your governments are idiots down there. Um, we're going to pick on Italy tonight. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, but thank you for those of you who are downloading and listening in and subscribing to our podcast. This audio show, if you don't know, is a podcast, so you get to listen in. There are no visuals, although the show is quite visual. And we always remind people, if you want, you can go to rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants. Sign up for a free account. Doesn't cost you anything. And subscribe to our channel there, where you will see a rebroadcast of all of our video shows. All the way from episode one to tonight, which is episode 110. Imagine that. Um, so yeah, by all means, please check out rumble.com, sign up for a free account, and subscribe to J. Sheldon No Pants. I know tonight I promised you, or I, I said we would do our best, to be live on Rumble. Thanks to the idiots, and I mean freaking idiots, at RHB Bank. I'm naming them and I'm shaming them, because you people need to get your it together. It is unbelievable. Since last Thursday, I've been trying to contact them. They are uncontactable. Their customer service does not work. You can go through all the menu, press one for this, press six to be ignored completely. If you want us to call you back after you're on hold for like, you know, five and a half years, you put in your number, which I've done repeatedly, sometimes more than once a day. Since last Thursday, I've received zero contact from them, cannot get a hold of them. And that's basically the problem because of some payment arrangements and things. So sadly, as much as I'm trying, uh, thank you, RHB, for completely screwing up everything about my banking. It is inexcusable. I don't care. You know, they use the excuse, oh, the pandemic, and we have to rearrange our our resources. Well, you know what? If there is a pandemic and you have to rearrange your resources, wouldn't you morons take people out of the actual bank and put them into your customer service sweatshop, people with headphones in a big box answering phone calls? Because chances are more people are going to be online, as you're encouraging people to do, and calling for problems. So take people out of the actual bank branches and stick their asses in the customer service department so we can get some answers when we have problems. 
It's unforgivable. I swear to God, if I had a chance, and I don't, sadly, I would pull my money out of that bank just like that. Sadly, I can't. But trust me, if there were a way, I would be gone. And that's after almost 20 years of being a loyal customer to this idiot bank. I need to find another way. All right. Uh, let's see. Now that I've gotten all riled up about that, I can get all riled up about the morons in Italy. Take a look at this ridiculousness. Medical drones. You thought things were bad. You didn't think they could get any worse. Welcome to George Orwell's world. Medical drones are being deployed over Italian beaches, searching for feverish people. You'll see a picture here if you're on our uh, if you're on live or watching the rebroadcast on Rumble.com. Um, Ostia Health officials. This is somewhere in Italy said the drone utilizes artificial intelligence to automatically measure temperatures of beachgoers while hovering at an altitude of 75 to 90 feet. That's about, what, maybe 30 meters, 30, 40 meters? The officials said the initial flight is part of a pilot program and will begin this weekend between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. local time. You see the picture of the drone there. And here is a bit of the infrared or uh, the temperature scanning thing. Um, when the drone detects a person with a fever, it identifies them, doesn't say how it does, and alerts the medical surveillance team, the officials said. Doctors then arrive at the site for an investigation, which could lead, or can lead, it says, to a COVID-19 test. So, that's some of the fun. The Orwellian Health Department in Italy is imposing on their, uh, on their citizens. Very nice. Oh, by the way, you like my shirt tonight? I have my Kadahan shirt on. I got this in uh, in Kadah, actually, when I was up there for a project. This is if you're not from Malaysia, you won't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> Kadah is a place in Malaysia, and the people from Kadah are called Kadahans. And I've got my official Kadahan shirt. It says uh, Legenda Raja Bursiong, and I don't know what that means. Darul Aman. Can someone translate that for me, if you're in Malaysian listening? Uh, Legenda Raja Bursion. Whatever that means. I, I don't know. It might be the, the state's motto or something. <clears throat> All right. Uh, no Shadow Day. Yeah, No Shadow Day is coming up. It's very fast, as a matter of fact. I think it's coming up uh, this week or next. It might be this week. Let's check. Where is my... Shadow. No shadow day. Uh, Malaysians to allegedly experience zero shadow days in September. Uh, there's a picture here. This is from World of Buzz, a hat tip to the folks at uh, World of Buzz. And um, 
it is a day when the sun is at one point directly overhead, shining straight down. Now, we live pretty close to the equator here. Not as close as, you know, like Indonesia, but pretty close. Not too many degrees above the uh, equator. And so there are some times, certain times of year, I would assume probably once or twice, where the sun is directly overhead. And it's called No Shadow Day. Because as you can see in this picture, when the sun is directly overhead, there's a little girl and she's virtually casting no shadow. Here's a circle of people that pretty much have like no shadow. <laughs> Very cool. It's your shadow. However, for you Peter Pan fans out there, uh, it's a recent finding. It appears there are actually days when you could lose your shadow. According to the I Love Sungai Basar Facebook page, Malaysia will once again have zero shadow days this month. Uh, apparently quite common. It occurred again, uh, earlier in March. Oh, okay, so that would make sense. This, maybe the spring and fall equinox, something like that. Um, your shadow may appear directly below your feet or may not appear at all for some objects. And here's a list of when and where Let's see if I can find the closest place to me here. Well, KL, but uh, actually Sha'alam would be closer to where I am. So September 14th at nine minutes after one o'clock in the afternoon. I'll tell you what, I will make a note and I will go out and take a picture of me in my yard and see if I have a shadow or not. We'll share it on the stream. What is September 14th? What day of the week is that? Let me see. Oh, it's a Tuesday. All right, so that's next Tuesday. So on Wednesday night stream the 15th, we'll have a picture of, of what hopefully will be not my shadow. <laughs> they wrote, Malaysians will have the opportunity to witness days without shadows on different dates. And uh, the posts showcase different dates for areas across Malaysia. And... Um, the equinox will happen on September 15th. So this, for me, is a day before the autumnal equinox. This occurs because the sun, of course, is directly above the head of the 90-degree zenith, causing shadows to, for all intents, be invisible. So that's not Bill Nye the science guy. It would be Jay the science whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's your little science bit for tonight, okay? Enjoy. Share that with your friends that, that we have a no shadow day coming up. I don't think it happens all around the world. It's not just Malaysia. Anywhere along the same, what is it, longitude and latitude. So longitude would, would have a no shadow day. Okay, sorry, coffee break. <clears throat> all right. Hey, um, We've got a couple of pieces of really nice news. Uh, again, here in Malaysia, but folks all over the world have been celebrating the end of the Paralympics in Tokyo. And I'll tell you what, we in Malaysia can be mighty proud, mighty, mighty proud of our medalists. In fact, not just of our medalists, but of all the athletes who competed in both the uh, Olympics and the Paralympics which only just, I think, yesterday concluded in Tokyo. Here in Malaysia, of course, uh, 
my beloved adopted home country, uh, we had quite a run. Unbelievable. We got uh, three gold medals and two silver medals. Again, we want to give the biggest tip of the hat to our medalists, but to all those who competed, win or lose, I know it's a bit overused, but you are all winners. Uh, you put your hearts and souls and go to unbelievable lengths and strengths to compete and make us proud. And we are very proud, as I'm sure every country is proud of their Paralympic athletes. But specifically, Bonnie Bunyagustin, powerlifting, 72 kilograms. Uh, che Lake Howe, uh, badminton men's single, singles. And our third gold from Abdul Latif Romley in the athletic men's long jump. Did you see that, by the way? If you saw that jump, it was incredible, amazing. Silver medalist Jong Yi Ki in the powerlifting men's, uh, 107 kilograms. And uh, Chu Wei Lun in the bache uh, mixed individual. That was incredible. So... Congratulations to the winners, our two silver medalists and three gold medalists at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics. And of course, congratulations to all of the amazing athletes who competed there. Fantastic. We could not possibly be more proud of all of you. Wow. Very nice. Tip of the hat to all those folks. Amazing. All right. As you know, on this show, we do a lot to encourage you to get back to books and reading, and um, especially the young people, your kids. Uh, if you've got nieces or nephews, cousins, if you have kids of your own, uh, we always encourage you to do everything you can to get them reading. Read to them, let them read. Uh, studies have shown, we've shared those studies here on the show before, that reading to your kids is as beneficial as having them actually read. They're both great. They're both wonderful. But some of these books are maybe a little above your child's reading ability. Reading to them is just as beneficial. It's really the biggest reason why, when we started this stream, almost a year ago, uh, we wanted to include reading books as a big part of the show. It's the last half of the show. We do this every stream. And we have uh, done all the classics. We did Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, uh, The Little Prince, uh, Velveteen Rabbit. We're right now in the beginning of The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. We've been reading a chapter every uh every stream and we will continue to do that coming up in just a, a little bit but we do everything we can to encourage you both to read to your kids and to allow your kids to read uh, buy them books buy them the gift that will open their minds and expand their minds and one of the things that we have been promoting uh, is something called the little free library it's such a brilliant idea I don't know that it's popular or even happens at all here in Malaysia. I uh, joined up with this Facebook page 
in order to help to uh, promote the idea. And they continue to amaze me with some of the things they've done. Check this out. This is their latest post. Um, we don't just grant libraries through our library impact program. We grant charter signs too, and recently granted six no cost charter signs to uh, WVU alumni Emerald Coast chapter. And they have distributed already a thousand over books to the kids in Pensacola, Florida area. No plans to stop anytime soon. And check this out. Basically, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see the visuals. Rumble.com slash Jay Sheldon, no pants. But uh, people will take and set up these little, little looks like a, a dog house, really, with a glass window on the front. And inside, they will stack it and stock it with books, which are free for kids to borrow. You can leave a book. You can take a book. It's all free. But check this out. What a cool thing. Uh, somebody's taken a newspaper vending machine. I assume it's an old one that was being thrown away. And they've, they've taken the money mechanism and opened it up so it doesn't take money anymore. But you pull this down. You'll see here. Uh, you pull down and inside are all the books, which kids can check out of the library. When they're finished reading them, they can bring them back. You can add your own books to it. But these are the little free libraries, as they're called, and they're set up on people's front lawn and uh, a great way to get books into kids' hands, which, uh, which is brilliant, which is really, really nice. I love this idea. Very, very cool. All right. Have we got to? Yeah, I think we have time. We got one more story for you about a pup, a puppy. You can never go wrong with puppies. <laughs> However, this one ate one of the last woolly rhinos on Earth. Really? I'll tell you that story in a second. Serena Lee, hello. <laughs> Serena just uh, put in the chat. She just popped in to say hello. So, hello. We love you. Thank you. And thank you for liking and sharing and have you subscribed over on rumble.com yet jay sheldon no pants please do that if you haven't check out rumble.com sign up for a free account all right thank you serena i didn't have any of your stuff this week but i have a feeling you might have been in facebook jail because i didn't see much on my timeline maybe they've just shadow banned you out of my timeline which would suck by the way all right <laughs> before before we get on to our uh, our book uh, not yet will do. Cool. Thank you, Serena. Okay, um, I saw this piece. It's from LiveScience.com, and it is the strangest story. It's very cool. Check out this picture. A pup preserved in permafrost has apparently uh, eaten one of the last woolly rhinos on Earth. The mummy had an undigested piece of woolly rhino in its stomach. Yee! This is the actual frozen pup. An Ice Age pup, well-preserved. Teeth are still sharp. That is insane. Look at that. That is incredible. This thing was preserved in the permafrost so well so that the stomach contents were still able to be uh, examined. 
I'll scroll down. Before a tiny pup died during the last ice age, it ate a piece of meat from one of Earth's last woolly rhinos. They made that discovery doing a necropsy, a, a ne necropsy, an animal autopsy, basically, on the mummified remains of this Ice Age puppy, and they found an undigested slab of skin with yellow fur in the puppy's stomach. Now, researchers initially thought the pup had chewed off a hunk of a cave lion meat for his last meal, but they did the DNA analysis and revealed that it was not a cave lion, but a woolly rhinoceros, which went extinct about 14,000 years ago, right about the time the pup would have had its last meal. And if I scroll down here, okay, this is the actual pup that was frozen in the permafrost. Uh, and this date of this pup is right around the critical point for dog-slash-wolf domestication. Um, they're trying to decipher whether the Tumat pup had actually been domesticated or not. This is fascinating. The things they are finding... I mean, okay, so it's probably not a good thing the permafrost is melting, but it is revealing some really cool stuff when it does. There is somewhere here a picture of, well, an artist's rendition, now I can't find it, of the woolly rhinoceros. Where is it? No, it's not coming up now. Huh. Okay, can't find it. It's no longer there. <laughs> I don't know what happened to the picture of the woolly rhinoceros. Hmm. Dang, I wanted to show you that. Oh, here's the remains of one. Okay. Doesn't look like much of anything, but apparently this is Sasha the Woolly Rhino. Image credit to the Yukutian Academy of Sciences. Let me see if there's a artist rendition in here. No. Okay, no big deal. Anyway, we used to have woolly rhinoceroses. <laughs> hey, you know, I told you last week or Saturday we were talking about... Uh, we were talking about Jay's eyebrows. We cover everything on this show. If it's to be talked about, we'll be talking about it. <laughs> oh, my. All right. I think it's time to move on. <laughs> Having said that, let's go over to our uh, book and begin The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. This uh, amazing book. Not... Too much like the movies, but uh, first serialized back in 1897 by Pearson's Magazine in the UK and Cosmopolitan Magazine in the US. And the novel's first appearance in hardcover book edition was a year later, in 1898. We have gotten through five chapters of our book, and we are on chapter six, which is The Heat Ray. In the Chobham Road, it's going to get very dark. This is the War of the Worlds, Chapter 6. It's still a matter of wonder how the Martians were able to slay men so swiftly, so silently. 
Many think that in some way they're able to generate an intense heat in a chamber of practically absolute non-conductivity. This intense heat they project in a parallel beam against any object they choose by means of a polished parabolic mirror of unknown composition, much as the parabolic mirror of a lighthouse projects a beam of light. But no one has absolutely proved these details. However it's done, it's certain that a beam of heat is the essence of the matter. Heat, an invisible instead of visible light. Whatever is combustible flashes into flame at its touch. Lead runs like water. It softens iron, cracks and melts glass, and when it falls upon water, incontinently that explodes into steam. That night, nearly 40 people lay under the starlight about the pit, charred and distorted beyond recognition. And all night long, the common from Horsell to Maybury was deserted and brightly ablaze. The news of the massacre probably reached Chobham, walking in Ottershaw about the same time. In walking, the shops had closed when the tragedy happened, and a number of people, shop people and so forth, attracted by the stories they'd heard, were walking over the Horsell Bridge and among the road between the hedges that runs out at last upon the common. You may imagine the young people brushed up after the labors of the day and making this novelty as they would make any novelty, the excuse for walking together to enjoy a trivial flirtation. You may figure to yourself the hum of voices along the road in the gloaming. And yet, of course, few people in walking even knew that the cylinder had opened. Though poor Henderson had sent a messenger on a bicycle to the post office with a special wire to an evening paper. As these folks came out by twos and threes upon the open, they found little knots of people talking excitedly and peering at the spinning mirror above the sand pits. And the newcomers were, no doubt, soon infected by the excitement of the occasion. By half past eight, when the deputation was destroyed, there may have been a crowd of three hundred people or more at this place besides those who'd left the road to approach the Martians nearer. There were three policemen, too, one of whom was mounted, doing their best under instructions from Stent to keep the people back and deter them from approaching the cylinder. There was some booing from those more thoughtless and excitable souls to whom a crowd is always an excuse for noise and horseplay. Stent and Ogilvy, anticipating some possibility of a collision, had telegraphed from Horsell to the barracks as soon as the Martians emerged, for the help of a company of soldiers to protect these strange creatures from violence. After that, they returned to lead that ill-fated advance. The description of their death, as it was seen by the crowd, tallies very close with my own impressions. The three puffs of green smoke, the deep humming noise, and the thrashes and flashes of flame. 
But that crowd of people had a far narrower escape than mine. Only the fact that a hummock of heathery sand intercepted the lower part of the heat ray had saved them. Had the elevation of the parabolic mirror been a few yards higher, none could have lived to tell the tale. They saw the flashes and the men falling, and an invisible hand, as it were, lit the bushes as it hurried toward them through the twilight. Then, with a whistling note that rose above the drone of the pit, the beam swung close over their heads, lighting the tops of the beech trees that lined the road, and splitting the bricks, smashing the windows, firing the window frames, and bringing down in crumbling ruin a portion of the gable of the house nearest the corner. In a sudden thud, hiss, and glare of the igniting trees, the panic-stricken crowd seemed to have swayed hesitantly for some moments. Sparks and burning twigs began to fall onto the road, and single leaves like puffs of flame. Hats and dresses caught fire. Then came a crying from the common. There were shrieks and shouts, and suddenly a mounted policeman came galloping through the confusion with his hands clasped over his head, screaming. They're coming! a woman shrieked. And incontinently everyone was turning and pushing at those behind and in order to clear their way to walking again. They must have bolted as blindly as a flock of sheep. Where the road grows narrow and black between the high banks, the crowd jammed and a desperate struggle occurred. All that crowd did not escape. Three persons at least, two women and a little boy, were crushed and trampled there and left to die amid the terror and the darkness. I told you it was going to get dark. Coming up next stream, we'll go to chapter seven, which is how I reached home. Wow. This book is scary. <laughs> I hope you are, uh, you are following along. This is insane. H.G. Wells, the original War of the Worlds from... 1897. Wow. Magical stuff. All right, my friends, that's going to do it for us. It's a kind of a short stream tonight. But that's okay. We got everything in we wanted to talk about and a little bit extra too. So I will see you again on Wednesday night. We're still trying to solve our problem with those idiots at the bank. And uh, I can't promise. Sadly, it's not up to me anymore. I'm at the mercy of those morons. So we will see whether or not we can uh, we can make it over to rumble.com to get our live show also there. In the meantime, you will always find this show on rumble.com under J. Sheldon No Pants. And uh, check us out if you want to watch the video version of the show. With any luck, very soon, we'll also be there live. All right. I will see you again. Thanks. Patreon.com slash J. Sheldon to support the show. Until next time, I'm J. Sheldon. And I'm not wearing pants. Good night.